Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. The challenge of returning back to the place of our promise. The challenge of returning back to better. And the challenge of returning to the place of our covenant agreement with the Almighty God. And we'll take our text from the book of Genesis chapter 35. Genesis 35, and we're reading from verse number 1. Genesis 35, we're reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us there. He said, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household, And to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the days of my distress, and had been with me all the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terrible tree which was at Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Lot's, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Before we go very deeply into our study, I just want you to highlight certain things that we see in the passage of scripture that we've just read. The first thing you will see there is the call of Jacob to return back unto Bethel. And God said to Jacob, Arise and go back to Bethel and dwell there and make me an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother. So they will see the call to return. So Jacob did not just wake up one day and said he wanted to go back to Bethel. It was a call, it was an instruction that he received. The second thing you see was Jacob's careful preparation to return back to Bethel. The Bible said, Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, put away your foreign gods that are among you and purify yourself and change your garment. Rise and go back to Bethel. In other words, Jacob is saying, I know the Lord has asked me to go back to Bethel, but I cannot go alone because you have now become part of my household and we are going together. And then he prepared to return. The third thing I want you to notice in that verse of the scripture is the commitment to return to Bethel. Jacob did not just wake up and haphazardly prepare to go back to Bethel. There was a preparation that he made. He made up his mind to say, okay, I am going to make that preparation. And he made a commitment to return. The Bible said he told all the people with him. He said, give me the foreign gods. And the Bible said they gave him all the foreign gods. And the intention was that anything that would stand in his way of the journey back to Bethel, he was willing to take away. Anything that would not allow him to go back into the presence of the Almighty God, he was willing to take away. The fourth thing you see was the actual journey back to Bethel. It was not just thinking about it. It was not just his intention. It was not just a good idea to go back. It was not something that was just debating. It was something that was actually going to execute. And there are many who think of good things. There are many good intentions. Oh yes, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do X, Y, for God. But not actually carrying out. Here was a guy who heard the call. Who made the preparation. 
who now made a commitment and now was actually involved in going back to where the Lord has called him. And then finally, when he got to the place of his calling, the Bible says that he went ahead and fulfilled his vow. If you look at verse number 6, So Jacob came to Lot in Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people that were with him, and he built an altar there and called it El Bethel. In other words, that was the promise he made to God when he was fleeing. Eventually, when he got back to the land, he fulfilled the same promise that he made. So those are the high-level overview. That's a rough outline of, of Jacob's activity as he prepared to go back to Bethel. But I want you to notice that in that process, notice the process that was involved for Jacob to go back to Bethel. I want you to notice that the process of, of Jacob's return to Bethel was not haphazard. It was not something that was just done impulsively. If you look at that passage of scripture that we read, you will notice that the return of Jacob back to Bethel started with a call from God. It started with a reminder. The Lord Almighty spoke to the heart, convicted his heart and said, Hey man, you made a promise unto me and for some reason you have gone back. And many of us made a promise unto the Almighty God when we became born again. The day we say we gave our life to the Almighty God, we made a promise. Lord, if you do X, Y for me, I will do X, Y for you. And the Lord did what he said he was going to do, but for some reason we forgot. And that is the same boat that Jacob was in. If you will keep me, if you will provide for me, if you will protect me and bring me back to my father's land, I will serve you. I will build a temple unto you. That's what he said. And the Lord Almighty had to call him back and say, my friend, this is what you said and bring you back. So Jacob's return to Bethel started with a call, a reminder. And that call brought conviction into his heart. The Bible said the Lord Almighty reminded him. Jacob now remembered the promise he made. He remembered that this was what I said to the Lord. This is what I said I was going to do. The same thing. There are times when the Spirit of the Almighty God convicts you. At the beginning of the year, this is what you said you were going to do last year. But you didn't do it. This is what you said you were going to do for that person. You didn't do it. This is the prayer you said you were going to pray. You didn't do it. As it begins to convict you, it starts with a call, then it follows with a conviction, and then you see the third thing that Jacob did was Jacob had a choice. He could silence the voice of God that he was hearing. He could rationalize it. He could push it aside. Or at the same time, he could listen to that voice and obey. So he had a choice. Number one, he started with a call, he went to a conviction, and now it is now at the position of a choice. He had to make up his mind. The same thing happens to us on a daily basis. The Lord Almighty tells you exactly what you're supposed to do. You yourself know what you're supposed to do, but you now have a choice. Do I obey or do I rationalize it? Do I obey or do I push it aside? Do I make a decision to follow or do I just continue to live my life and say, well, God will understand. It's a choice. And Jacob made a choice. And the choice he made was, I am going to respond. I made a promise to God, I'm going to fulfill that promise. I am not going to silence this talking of my heart by the Spirit of God. I am going to move forward. He did not ignore the call. The Bible said that he responded. And from scripture account, the Bible said that he went forward, he went to better to fulfill his promise. So it was a decision of the will. It was a decision that he made to say, I hear the voice of God. I know what I have promised and I'm willing to do it. So when people say, uh, if God wants me to be saved, I'll be saved. That's, that's, not, that's not true. It's a decision of the will. You make up your mind whether you want to obey or you don't want to obey. You make up your mind whether you want to serve God or if you don't want to serve God. That's why I say, I place before you today life and death. That is a choice that we make. God did not create robots who are mindless. He created human beings who are rational. People with the ability to make a decision. And that's why the decision of the will is very important in the journey to returning back unto the Almighty God. And so Jacob made up his mind. He made a decision to follow. And Jacob's decision to respond and to fulfill his promise to the Almighty God was followed by an action. 
It is not enough for you to say, I decide to follow the Lord and then sit back and keep watching. There has to be a corresponding action. And that's why James says, show me your faith by your action. If you say you believe in God, it should have a corresponding action in your life. If you say you believe in God, something must change in the way you behave. Because there has to be a corresponding action to back up the decision that you say you have made. And this is what Jacob did. When the Lord told him, go back to better. Jacob said, yes, I've heard the call. I am convicted because I made the promise. I am making a decision to listen to that voice and I'm taking a definite action. This is the action. I'm going to purge myself. I'm going to make sure I prepare myself to move forward. His decision to respond to God led to a definite action. And then finally, you now see that his determination to remove the idols, to make sure that the family changed their garment before they embarked on the journey. So there was an engaging action. There's a decision to act, but there's also an engagement. You actually take the step. It's one thing for you to decide, okay, I'll wake up tomorrow. Okay, I'll get up from my bed at 6 o'clock every morning. But if 6 o'clock comes and you did not get up from your bed, then your decision is not very active. But what we saw here was that Jacob made a decision to listen to the voice of God. He made a decision to cleanse his family and then now engage the action by actually traveling on to what? Moving on to better. So God spoke to him, arise and go to better. And Jacob actually went there by engaging in the action of going. In other words, returning to better for Jacob was not a spontaneous thing. It was a process. The process of returning to better was a deliberate action on the part of Jacob. And the same thing happens in our lives. If we are going to see any change in our life, there has to be a deliberate action. There has to be a specific decision. There has to be a conviction in our spirit. And there has to be an awakening to the voice of the Almighty God. Because you cannot go from where you are to where you need to be if there is no decision of moving forward. If there are no convicting action. If there is no engagement in the process. Jacob took the time to summon his family. He took the time to remove the idols from his family. He took the time to wash them, to change their clothes. And then he engaged on the journey. This suggests to me that Jacob's going back to Bethel was carefully thought out, carefully planned, and carefully executed. You cannot achieve anything in the house of God. You cannot achieve anything in your relationship with the Almighty God if you are not deliberate. If you are not deliberate and engaged in the process. Nothing can happen by chance. You don't become a prayer warrior by chance. You don't become holy by chance. You don't serve God by chance. There has to be a deliberate action. You don't see somebody who wake up one day and become a millionaire by chance. The people who become millionaire by chance, they never keep the money. Go and look at the people who won all the lotteries. They are not able to keep it because you have not developed the capacity. You have not developed the discipline to keep and to reproduce money. The same thing in every aspect of your life. There has to be an involvement, an engagement of your faculties. So that you become involved, you become deliberate in the action. Jacob's going back to battle to see the manifestation of the promise of the Almighty God was a deliberate action. Now, why did Jacob go through the process? And why is it important that he went through that process? Why did Jacob go through the process and why is it important for him to go through the process? Let me suggest to you, Jacob went through the process because Jacob knew that for him to appear before the Almighty God, he has to appear voluntarily. Anything you do for the Almighty God has to be voluntary. Anything you do by force has no blessing in it. And that is why we never coerce anybody to do anything here. 
You never coerce you to pray. Because if you pray through coercion, you are not getting any blessing. If you give through coercion, you will never get the blessing. Anything you do by somebody forcing you, that thing has no blessing. Jacob understood that. And that was why he took the time to prepare himself and to move to better in a voluntary fashion. The Bible tells in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, if there be first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to what a man has. Not by the proportion of what you do. It has to start first through that voluntary heart. And so your walk with the Almighty God, Jacob understood that if he was going to go back to Bethel and see the blessing of God manifest in his life, there has to be that element of volition, desire to do this thing without being forced. Number two, Jacob went through the process of preparing himself to go back to Bethel because Jacob knew that before he appears to the Almighty God, he has to get rid of all strange gods. Anything that does not glorify the name of the Almighty God. Any idols that you have. He knew he had to get rid of it if he has to appear before the Almighty God. The Bible says that he is the God. He is a jealous God. He will never allow any other God to compete with him for the first place. And Jacob understood that. As long as there are strange gods in his camp, he knew that God will not hear him. As long as there are strange gods in his camp, even if he lived in Bethel, the promise of Bethel will not be revealed. And the same thing happens in our own life. If we continue to have our strange gods, if we continue to have our own idols, the idols of money, the idols of personality, the idols of career, or whatever the idols might be, anything that takes the position of the Almighty God, we can live and die in the church, but the blessing of being in the presence of the Almighty God will be elusive. As long as you have those things, that we exalt beyond the name of the Almighty God. Whatever you do for God, as long as those idols are there, the blessings of heaven will not attend to those people. Isaiah was a prophet who was ministering in the court of the king. But as long as he had his eyes on the king, the Bible says that the revelation of heaven was far from him. But the day that that particular king was dethroned, that was the day heaven was opened. That was the day he saw the revelation of heaven. That's when he saw himself. That's when he saw where God was taking him. The same thing happened here. Jacob understood that there is no way I can go into battle and get the promise of Abraham. There's no way I can live in the reality of what God has promised with three gods in my possession. He knew that. And that's why he went through the process. First of all, of cleansing those things away. Taking away those things. It's just like somebody wants to have a happy marriage. You still have all those boyfriends hanging there. You still have all those girlfriends hanging there. As long as those things are there, your marriage will never be happy. You know that. I know that. And the Lord Almighty compares our relationship with him as a marriage relationship. As long as we are keeping those people around, you will find that that relationship will not be fruitful. Jacob understood. Strange God must go if I'm going to enjoy the blessings of better. Number three, why did Jacob go through the returning process? Jacob went through the returning process because Jacob understood that the God he is about to go and meet is a God of holiness, is a God of righteousness. Bible tells us, he said, as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. In other words, Jacob knew that he's going to meet the holy God. And he knew that there was no way he can walk into his presence without being properly aligned. As long as they have different opinion and a difference of the way they present themselves. Jacob is living in field. God is holy. There is no way that they can agree. Jacob understood that. And that's why he went through that process of cleansing. Taking away the idols. Cleansing himself. Making sure that he is ready. Can you imagine if the president should call you today? Invite you to the White House. Are you going to go in your street clothes? No way. You won't do that. You will go and import the most expensive lace if you are an African. 
The hair tie will be important. You will make sure you are looking spiffy. Every part of your body will be detailed. That is to meet the president. And Jacob understood that for him to meet with the Lord and to get the blessings of heaven and to see the revelation of the things that God has spoken concerning him, there has to be a condition of holiness. There has to be a condition of righteousness. He has to be properly aligned with the Almighty God. Number four, Jacob went through the process of preparing himself to meet with the Lord because he knew that there is no way you can meet with the Lord by being passive. You cannot be a consumer in the presence of the Almighty God. God is an active producer. He expects you to be actively engaged in the relationship. He expects you to be involved in his work with him. Jacob understood that. And that's why Jacob had to prepare himself and was actively engaged in the process of getting himself ready to meet with the Lord. Because Jacob understood the requirement for appearing before the Lord. He took the time to go through the process. He took the time to cleanse himself. He took the time to make sure that he's ready to go into the presence of the Almighty God. He made sure that he prepared himself to be ready to return to Bethel. And here now is the problem for many of us in this 21st century. We know what we're supposed to do to improve our relationship to get our career going to get things in order in the way we're supposed to go we know the things that we must do we know the situations that are in our life that we must confront but for some reason we are not willing to go through the preparation process we're not willing to face the challenges we're not willing to be convicted we're not willing to make a decision we're not willing to be determined to take away the obstacles. We're not willing to be engaged in the process. Many of us are not willing to go through the process of preparing ourselves to confront these challenges of life and to enjoy the benefits associated with them. Many of us have heard the call of God for our lives. We have made a determination to serve the Almighty God. Many of us have been convicted. We know what we must do. But for some reason, we are waiting for God to do it for us. But one thing I've always said is that God will not do your work for you. Just like you cannot do God's work for him. You must understand that there are things that you must do before God will act. And that's why there are people who are saying, if God wants me to be saved, I will be saved. That is one of the biggest fallacies that people have believed in. The Bible says that it is the Almighty God to see all men saved. But men have to first of all repent for them to be saved. If you are not willing to let go, God is not willing to accept There has to be a decision on your part. There is something you must do for you to enjoy the blessings of the almighty god and this thing that i'm trying to explain to you is what we refer to as the divine human partnership the bible tells us in the book of first corinthians chapter 3 if you read from verse number 6 he said i have planted apollo water but god gave the increase for we are laborers together with god you are god's husbandry you are god's building there are things that you must do and there are things that god must do if you refuse to do your own thing God will be looking at you. There is this thing I used to say in the neck of the wood where I come from. They say, Oluwawa which means that God is a God who will look at you unless you act. If you refuse to act, he will keep watching you. Can you imagine? When Moses got to the edge of the Red Sea and he prayed, and the Lord said, lift up your rod across the sea, and Moses decided not to, what do you think will happen to the Red Sea? It will never open. Because that was the responsibility of Moses. It's not the lifting of Moses' rod that caused the waters to part. No. It is the Almighty God that did. But God wanted Moses to participate. There are things that you must do to see the blessings of heaven. There is a divine human partnership. Which basically says that we must do our part for God to do his own part. God wants you to participate 
in the blessings that he wants to bring in your life. I used to tell people, God can open the ceiling of this place and pour down money, but he doesn't do that. That's why he said, whatever you lay your hands upon to do, he will bless. And if you don't lay your hands on anything, nothing happens. It's not because God is angry at you. It's just because there are some principles that you have to follow. Divine human partnership. And to illustrate this divine human partnership, Luke chapter 15. In verse 11, the Bible tells us about a particular guy, the prodigal son. Many of us know the story. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. He has had a windfall. He went to Vegas and there wasted all his possession with prodigal living. He was just rolling the dice. I mean, the guy had a lot of money. What else? But when he has spent all, that's when he realized that you have to work for the money to continue to multiply. And when he has spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. He couldn't call daddy anymore because daddy has already told him you got your portion and that's the end of the story. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him to his field to feed swine. Here was a guy who was a high roller in Vegas. Now he's now living on the streets, feeding with swine. And he would gladly have filled the stomach with the paws that the swine ate. And no one was willing to give him anything. How many people that he bought drinks for? He said, the next round is on me. And they drank all those things and nothing happened. Now the guy needs money. If he calls that, they will even pick up his phone. Verse 17, the Bible says, Then he came to himself. That is the beauty of when you have spent everything. You have wasted your time. Then you wake up. The good thing for this guy is that he woke up. There are many who are still living who are not awake right now. They are going through the difficult challenges, but they are not awake. The Bible said that then he came to himself. And he said, How many of my father's higher servants have enough bread and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise. And go to my father and say to him, My father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your higher servants. If you go back, you will notice. When this conversation started, the guy was so entitled. He said, Father, give me the portion that pertains unto me. He made a demand. Now in verse number 19, he said, Father, make me one of your higher servants. So you see the transition that has taken place. And he arose and came to his father. When he was still a great way up, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, My father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and a sandal on his feet. And bring the fatted cow here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. But this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to marry. Now, please note, if you read that passage very, very carefully, you'll begin to see certain things that talk about the preparation for the return of the prodigal son. You will notice the first thing that you see was an awakening, which is basically a call to his spirits. Something told him, my friend, this is not how people live, especially when your father is rich. You are not supposed to be eating with swine. For some reason, the veil was taken away from his eyes. There was an awakening. All of a sudden, all the booze and all things just cleared. And the guy just realized, oh boy, this is not life. Oh, this is not life. So there was an awakening. When realization came to him and he brought conviction to his soul. Oh boy, what you have done in the past, not be so that they live life. You don't talk to your father like that. You don't take all the money that he has worked for all his life and just waste it in Vegas. You don't do all those things. There was an awakening. There was a conviction. And then there was a decision he made. He can continue to live with the swine or can decide to go home. 
He can continue to live in the way because of his pride, because he doesn't want to go back to his father and say, I am a wasteful son. He can swallow his pride or he can continue to live in that abject condition. So he had to make a decision. And the same way the Lord is saying, you can make a decision the same way today. You can continue the way we're living right now. Seeing the promise of God in our dreams and in our vision, the revelation of what God wants to do, or we can actually say, God, I need you to begin to do things in my life physically. So he had to make a decision. And then his decision to reconcile with his father was followed by a determination to take an action. It is not enough to say, I'm going to go back to my father. It is not enough for you to rehearse those beautiful lines that you're going to say. Your decision has to be accompanied with an action. So he made a determination. In other words, his determination to reconcile with his father resulted in him embarking on that journey back home. You have to take the action. It is not enough to have good intentions. It is not enough to say, yes, this is what I plan to do. Life will not produce results just based on your intention. There has to be an accompanying action. There has to be an engagement with the process. Please know, until the prodigal son took the action to go back home, he never knew that his father was looking for him. He never knew that his father missed him. He never knew that his father was going to welcome him. You never know the blessings that will appear until you take the first step. You never know how big that business is going to be. You never know how that relationship is going to turn out. You never know what your career will look like until you make up your mind to take the first step. Until the prodigal son went through the process of awakening, went through the process of conviction, the process of decision, the process of determination, and the process of engagement, nothing happened. His position remained the same. He was still eating with the swine. Until he took the step to actually go home, nothing happened. You see the same process in relationship. You see the same process in your career. You want to move to the next level, but you're not willing to go back to school. You're not willing to develop yourself. You're not willing to do necessary training. You can dream of it. Nothing will change unless you do something. That's what the Bible is making us to understand. For us to go back to the place of our blessing we must be engaged in the process. For us to go back to our own battle, we must be willing to go through the process of returning. We must be willing to go to a place of awakening. We must be willing to go to a place of conviction. We must be willing to go to a place of decision. We must be willing to go to a place of determination. And we must be willing to go to a place of engagement. Those process must happen in your life for you to move forward. Now, the interesting thing to me is this. Why are people not interested in going back to their better? Why are they not interested in doing what is required to be able to get the results that they want? Let me suggest to you that many people refuse to do what is required. The challenge to returning to better is what I refer to, number one, as the challenge of acknowledgement. The Bible says, and he rose and he came to his father. And when he was still a far away, his father saw him and had compassion and ran unto him. There has to be an acknowledgement. Father, I have messed up. I have done what I'm not supposed to do. This is not what I promised myself I was going to do at the beginning of the year. Many of us have this long list of New Year resolution. As a church, we had a long list of New Year resolution. How many of it have we carried out? There has to be a point of acknowledgement where you say, Oh boy, you messed up and you agree. You don't need somebody else to tell you. So the point number one, many of us are not going through that process because we refuse to go through that process of acknowledgement. We have to blame it on something. 
We have to look at somebody else. We have to put that blame on somebody else. Until we are ready to go through the process of acknowledgement, change will not happen. Number two, returning to Bethel is challenging because it requires vulnerability. It requires you taking down your guard. It requires you lowering your defense. It requires you letting others in. As long as we're all fenced up, as long as we're all guarded, as long as we all continue to protect ourselves, continue to live as if we are walking on water. The point I'm trying to make is that many of us don't go through that process of change. We don't go through that process of returning because, number one, we refuse to acknowledge. Because, number two, we refuse to lower our guard. We are not vulnerable to ourselves. We are not vulnerable to our loved ones. We are not vulnerable to the people who can help us. The one who is going to help you, there's no point in you hiding yourself. Many of us present ourselves and feel we have everything all buttoned up. Everything is all tied up. We are so good. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, if you are so good, God bless you. We thank you for it. Come ask for help. But the point is that when you need help, you need to open your mouth. And many of us are not going through the process of returning to the place of blessing because we are not willing to make ourselves vulnerable. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.